Welcome to the Real Happy Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ann, the blogger and content creator at Real Happy Mom, where moms can find encouragement and practical tips for this journey called motherhood. I also have this podcast to introduce you to other moms in various walks of life. And today I have Jamie, and we'll be talking about how to have the best birth experience versus the best birth plan. But before we jump into that, I wanted to let you know about my new and updated planners. These planners include a weekly planner, monthly planner, yearly planner, meal planner, expense planner, pretty much everything you need to keep your life organized. So if you're struggling to get on track, head over to realhappymom.com planner to download your planners for free. Now let's jump into this episode of the Real Happy Mom Podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Jamie. I'm excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Tony Ann. Yes, it's going to be fun today. But before we jump into our topic, I wanted you to just share a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, So I am a a certified Lamaze educator and a birth doula. Um, I've been working with expecting and new families for over four years now. Um, I actually started my career in macro social work. So I was working on policy change. Um, I advocated on the Hill for a little bit um, and worked with um, nonprofits to, you know, on their administrative side and um, their organizational structures for a long time. Um, but after a great deal of soul searching and, you know, trying out new things, um, I, and also after having kids of my own, I kind of found my way into the birth field and that's where I am today. Um, I have twin girls. They're turning six this summer, which makes me cry every time I think about it. I can't believe how <laughs> far we've come. Um, and I also have an amazing husband who's my walk, my rock, and um, just uh, he's he's my everything. Um, and I also have a best buddy um, who's my labradoodle, Barkley. So she's at my feet right now, keeping me company. So hopefully she um, won't bark <laughs> during our recording, but um, she is appropriately named. Um, and let's see, I, I live in Lovettsville, Virginia, which is um, in Northern Virginia at the very tippy top. So I'm about 10 minutes away from West Virginia and 10 minutes away from Maryland. And, um, but I serve the entire Washington metropolitan region with my services. And then I also offer virtual services as well. Nice, nice. Now you've been teaching about childbirth for about four years now, is Mm -hmm. it? Yep. Yeah. And you've also been a doula for about a year. And I was just curious, what is one of the more common themes or concerns among expecting moms? Yeah. So I mean, I think there's, I think it's a lot of fear of the unknown, um, especially, uh, and I would say that it's fear of the unknown for first time moms, but also um, I think every subsequent birth comes with some level of fear of the unknown. Uh, it changes what you're scared about, but um, there's also there's always a fear about how it's going to go because birth really we we can't control how it plays out a lot of the time, um, and so that can be really scary. Uh, I also find that there's a lot of uh, concern around the pain 
uh, of childbirth and also the length of labor. So those are the top things. And so for first time parents, it's usually, oh my gosh, is it really gonna be as long as everybody says it's gonna be? And I'm really gonna be in that much pain. And then subsequent parents tend to be like, is it gonna be as painful or not as painful as the first time? And is it going to go really fast? And am I going to make it to the hospital on time? Uh, so, this, so those concerns are always there. They just kind of change in what, they're, what the focus is on them. And they're very legitimate. Uh, it, it's just, um, unfortunately, for both situations, it kind of ends up being a crapshoot. And from birth to birth, it changes uh, both the time and um, the perception of the pain. So it's... Um, it's it's uh, it's hard to address, especially um, you know in pregnancy. And I know that with all of these concerns, I know there's been a big push for having a birthing plan. And I know we talked a lot about this, and I'm not going to send you on a bunny trail just yet. But um, I was just wondering, instead of focusing on a birthing plan with expectant moms, you work with more about focusing on the birthing experience. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think when we think of birth plans, we think of what we want and we don't want. So I don't want an IV. I do want an epidural, et cetera. And these are good decisions to make ahead of time. But the issue becomes that they're decisions that really aren't based on the reality of the situation, right? Because you know, an IV or an epidural are tools and you don't really, and so if we think of them as, as far as tools go, let's say you had a, a toolbox and you were headed to a construction job, you don't throw out half your tools before you even get there because you don't think you'll need them or don't want to use them. You bring your whole toolbox, assess the situation and take up the tool you need when you need it. So I think birth plans, the way that many are set up today the way we prompt expecting parents to create birth plans is setting up, setting them up to hold true to decisions um, on what tools to use and not use without having all the information they need to make informed decisions on what tools might be needed. You know, I see moms and their partners feeling like they failed when they have to retrieve a tool that they had previous that they discarded in their pregnancy planning. But the fact is, is that you can't control what's going to happen in birth and you can't decide on what tools to use and not use without having all the information. And so I see a lot of parents saying, you know, I was too weak or I wasn't prepared enough or, you know, they lied to me. They said they wouldn't do this and they, and they had to use it instead or whatever the situation may be. And it's, it's just not really a fair way of going about setting up your birth experience. So Instead, when I take on clients, I, what I try and focus on instead is what we can't control, which is how we experience the birth and how people around us behave in order to help us continue to facilitate the type of birth experience we're seeking. And I see a big difference when I look at, when I visit people postpartum, I, as far as their level of satisfaction with the birth, when you look at people that do a more traditional birth planning and really hone in on that, I want this, I don't want that kind of mentality versus people that really went in saying, I would like to avoid this or that, but it's ultimate, ultimately what my goal is, is to have this type of birth experience. I see just a huge difference in the level of satisfaction with births. Um, when I compare those two types of preparation disciplines. 
I know for me having two vaginal births, I know that I was a little bit afraid that if God forbid I got pregnant again about having a C-section just because I know that I don't like the feeling of surgery or the recovery and all of that stuff afterwards. So let's just pretend you were working with me and I'm saying no to a C-section. How would you get me to focus more on the experience versus I don't want a C-section and God forbid it happens. And then I I end up being upset. Right. Yeah, that's a good, and that's a very common scenario because commonly C-sections are the first tool that we throw out of our toolbox and we don't even learn how to use it. And so um, that becomes a really big problem when all of a sudden um, maybe the baby is breached at 39 weeks and we have to prepare for a C-section or, you know, gosh forbid, we're in the middle of labor and it turns out that a C-section becomes necessary. So what we do, what I do in my prenatals with my doula clients is we concentrate on building a plan for what we can control. And, and that is how we want our birth experience to be. Um, so we start with the type of feeling that you want during your birth experience. Is it that you want to feel powerful? You want to feel at peace? Maybe you want to feel healed in some way um, or respected, or you want an overwhelming feeling of love and support. Um, so we really get down to what, you know, what do you, how do you want to define your birth experience? And then we talk about what it's going to take to get there, playing out all different kinds of scenarios. So what is going to keep us in that zone of feeling powerful or loved, um, when it comes to how your medical team is supporting you, what does the environment need to be like? How, how does your partner need to act or what do they need to do? What does your doula need to do? Or how does your doula need to act in order for you to have that feeling of love or peacefulness or a sense of healing? And so this opens up a whole new way of measuring pregnancy and birth. Um, so, uh, you know, when we're looking at, for instance, a cesarean, there's a big difference between saying, I want healthy mom, healthy baby for my cesarean. We all want that. We, nobody wants an unhealthy mom or an unhealthy baby coming out of a cesarean. But, what's the, but there's a big difference between saying something like that and saying, I want the most peaceful cesarean possible. I want a very peaceful belly birth or whatever that might be. And that opens up a whole new realm of possibilities for you know, things that you could have, such as maybe the lights could be dimmer to make it more peaceful, or maybe people could avoid side chatter. Could we have immediate skin to skin? Maybe a peaceful birth means lowering your anxiety with medication. Maybe it means playing music or wearing an eye mask during the procedure. Uh, So there's a lot of opportunities to open up the conversation in a different way. And all of those things are within our control. Um, and all of those things are we, we can plan for ahead of time. And it, it helps to define that birth experience as more than just a birth. It, it's your birth. It's the way that you want it, um, no matter how it plays out or how it happens. So that's just one example of how we could get beyond just looking at it as, you know, a, a, a this versus that or a procedure versus not a procedure, a tool versus not a tool and really look at what are the things that we can bring into the situation. But, and more importantly, how can the people around you behave in this situation in order to help facilitate the feelings that you're desiring to feel during this special time? 
I like that because I'm not trying to knock anyone's birth plans or anything, but I know when I had my first one, that was the big thing. Like, oh, you have to have a birth plan, like go online and print out this like five page birth plan and fill it out. And a lot of it was like picking out like, okay, do I, I want to have an IV or I don't want to have a Tocin or just mm-hmm. some other little stuff. But I, I like the fact that you focus more on the experience versus like you said, the tools. So I really, really like that. And I like the questions that you're asking to bring out what type of experience the moms want to have. Yeah, um, and that- it also helps to... Um... It also helps to measure your team differently too, right? It's a different kind of litmus test for your team as well. So your provider can say, oh, yes, you know, we'll avoid the Pitocin if, if possible. We'll avoid an episiotomy if possible. These are things that your medical, that your, you know, your doctor or your midwife don't even always have control over. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a, it's not a realistic thing to promise, but your provider can show you in appointments and how they're interacting with you and in the birth room that they are supporting your desire for a peaceful experience or mm-hmm. a very respectful experience. Is the provider looking you in the eye when they're talking to you? Are they calling you by their first name or are they calling you mama? Um, when you explicitly asked to be called by your first name? Are they um, giving you the space to make the decisions you need to, or are they rushing or non-supporting you? These are the behaviors that can be totally controlled and exhibited in, in the prenatal and in the birth room. And communicating that is so much easier for your provider to wrap their their abilities around than promising you something or promising not to use a tool that quite honestly could turn out to be life-saving in some cases. So I think it just totally shifts the conversation around and really gets down into what's su- what is really important to you in this birth experience and how do you want the people around you to treat you, um, which ends up being what I find that most people comment on in their postpartum visits. Okay. Now, would you suggest that we have these conversations with our provider and doula ahead of time while we're doing those weekly and monthly checks? Yes. And I also think that it's just something to keep in the back of your head. I mean, I think you always should go over any type of birth preferences or plans that you make or desires or expectations you have with your entire birth team, especially your medical provider. However, this is also something that you should, it's kind of like a a guiding principle for your entire birth, right? Is everyone around you helping to facilitate this feeling that you're seeking in your birth experience? And if not, you really have to start asking the question, why are they there? Um, So, you know, I have people that get, you know, you get that gut feeling like this doesn't feel right. This isn't jiving with what I was hoping for or wanted. And it doesn't have to be, oh, they're against this type of tool, using this tool, or they are pushing me to use this tool. It's more about how you're being treated. And I think that we've lost that. And we've in, I think we're not encouraging, expecting parents to really get down and trust their gut feelings around 
is this sitting well with me or not? And I think part of that is because we're superficially talking about things that in the end aren't really what ends up mattering when we look at it, when we're looking backwards or when in hindsight, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, I do recommend that you go over it, but also just always keeping it in the back of your head and, and weighing how things are going against what you're seeking and making sure that's always in alignment. Now, I want to just backtrack a little bit because I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but when we plan for one thing, and of course things go another way, I know as moms, we tend to beat ourselves up about things, especially in the case of we're planning to have a vaginal birth and then something happens and we have to have a C-section. So what do you say to the moms that are beating themselves up about, oh, it didn't go the way that I had planned and I had to have a C-section? Yeah, that's a a really good question. And it's super difficult. Um, And, you know, and it's, it's easy for me to say right now, but I I would just say that it's not your fault that you had uh, a C-section versus a vaginal birth. Um, At the time, you know, you did the right thing for you and your baby by pulling out that tool. And so when I have moms that end up having C-sections that were unplanned, you know, I try and remind them that beating themselves up about it is like feeling bad that you had to pull out a hammer to nail a picture into the wall when all you wanted to use was the screwdriver. It's just not fair. It's not fair to think of it in those terms when you were doing, you were using the exact tool you needed to use at that moment. There's so much negativity around cesareans. And it's very sad that there is because they are life-saving procedures a lot of the times. Um, Yes, they're not always necessary, but I would say, you know, it, you know, you do what you have to do in the moment and you do what you think is going to work best. Um, I also want to remind people that just, you know, if you, that vaginal births after cesareans are possible um, in most cases. And, but it, but I do also want to say that it does take a lot of legwork to really find a healthcare consultant and a birthplace that truly believes in a vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, so again, you being attuned to the type of experience you are seeking um, is even more critical that time, the second time around when you're uh, trying to achieve what's called a VBAC, a vaginal after a uh, birth after cesarean. Um, and again, even if it is a repeat cesarean, the the idea of a birth experience still applies. So again, there's a big difference between I want to have a cesarean and I want to have a peaceful and healing cesarean. When you ask, you know, mm. there's there's all new opportunities when you bring in the idea of what can we do to make this a more peaceful and healing experience. There's a lot of um, hospitals in our area, um, at least in my area, but I think it's spreading. And the American College of OBGYNs is actually recommending a more family centered or gentle cesarean experience. So asking for the types of things that make up a gentle cesarean are are totally within the realm of possibility and are encouraged um, by uh, the OBGYN community today. So definitely I recommend looking into all different types. So I, I, it's, it doesn't have to just be one way and all of your birth experience has to go out the window. There's so many things that can be done in order to make it a very special day, um, even though the baby's not being born the way you had originally hoped. Awesome. And that is what I wanted to hear. Because I know we talked a little bit offline about how sometimes it 
in society they make moms feel like oh well you're not a real mom if you didn't have a vaginal birth and things like that and which I just think mm-hmm. is totally crazy because you made a very good point you're like you know you're a mom like you you birthed this baby what however way you got the baby here like you're still a mom and I just really want all moms to know that that you're not lesser than because you didn't have uh, or deliver your baby and a certain way so yeah um, thank and you for I that think it's also important to realize that the baby coming out is not what makes up that is not the only thing that happened in a birth right you know if you were laboring for 24 hours before you birthed your baby and the baby ended up coming out through your belly instead of your vagina does not mean that you did not work hard for that baby and even if it's a scheduled cesarean there's a lot of work that goes into preparing for a cesarean and a lot of work after having a cesarean too so your labor might look different but you're still laboring and you still birthed your baby and it's it, it the how it how the baby actually emerges out of you is a very small piece of an overall long journey that you've taken to get there so it's really important to remember that. Absolutely. Now, one question I ask all of my guests is if you could have any superpower, what oh, would wow. it be? So I would say it's the, it's the power of wisdom. I, <laughs> I sometimes am a wise person, but totally not usually. And I definitely wish I had more wisdom in my life um, at critical moments. So I would say for me, it would be to be wiser and also for to help others find their wisdom when they need it the most in order to to better this world and impact society in, in very positive ways. I like that. See, you're not selfish with your superpower because I would be like, oh, I just want something <laughs> for me. But that's nice. Well, I like you. that. <laughs> Now, Jamie, where can our listeners find you if they want to learn yeah, more about um, you? So people can find me at birthingconfidence.com. I also have a um, Parents Building Confidence for Birth Facebook group. So if you're expecting, feel free to join that. You can just search for it on Facebook and it'll come up. Um, I also am at birthconfident on Instagram and birthingconfidence.com with the dot spelled out on Facebook. So that's where you can find me. Perfect. And I'll make sure to have all of those links in the show notes. So Jamie, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about birthing experience and giving us just a new way to think about things and to plan for our birth. And thank you so much for taking time out with me to chat. Thank I really you appreciate so much it. for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And congratulations to all the expecting moms out there. If you have any questions, I hope you get in touch. Now that does it for this episode of the Real Happy Mom podcast. To find all the links in the show notes, head over to realhappymom.com slash 23. There you'll find all the links that were mentioned as well as the planner that was mentioned at the beginning of the episode. And do me a favor, if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure that you leave us a review on whatever listening platform that you're using. Now that does it for this episode. I'll catch you in the next one.